I was having a conversation with a couple of other pastors in town a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about feeling like there's a real, well, there's a lot of evangelism happening in our communities right now. Christians are really active in evangelism, but it's just not necessarily about preaching the gospel. There's, there's people who are preaching the gospel of, you know, wearing masks or not wearing masks, or people preaching the gospel of vaccines or not vaccines, or people preaching the gospel of, you know, freedoms versus responsibilities to care for my neighbors. And we were just kind of lamenting the, you know, this whole idea that, that people who are supposed to be living for the kingdom are getting swept up in the conflict and the division and the momentum of society. And as we were, all the, the three songs that we sang before this teaching time, it just struck me in my mind that these were all songs that uh, got Jesus being higher, right? Higher than the controversy, higher than, higher than our opinions. Um, and, you know, thank the Lord we live in a free country and we're all entitled to our opinions. And, and we all live according to the convictions that we individually have. But what a tragedy it is when in the body of Christ we find ourselves being ripped apart by uh, difficult times. You know, the, the enemy is not whichever opposite side of the fence that you are sitting on, right? The enemy is, is uh, of course, the, the evil one, the principalities and powers of darkness, um, who I would, I would love to just take a Sunday and like make a theological argument for <laughs> how these principalities and powers of darkness are behind disease to begin with and division in society and all of that. And I think at times, if we're not careful, we find ourselves being played by these powers like pawns in their game. And so far be it from us as the body of Christ to, um, to have our lips proclaiming things other than the praise of God, the wonder of his glory, the, the love that he has for humanity, the truth of the gospel, right? Far be it from us to have our lips proclaiming anything other than uh, the goodness of God. I shouldn't say any, I mean, we still live, we still are going to have conversations, we still talk, but I, I, my prayer is that, you know, a very high percentage of what we say and how we live and the witness that we bring into the world uh, would be a witness that is uh, seeing all of humanity unified under Jesus Christ uh, rather than divided by all of the modern controversies. Now, the controversies have always been there. It would just seem that when we're going through difficult times, it all boils up to the surface and we find ourselves uh, being carried away by them. Anyhow, that was a bonus message. <laughs> it wasn't what I planned to talk about today. So in February of 2007, uh, I started a journey being what we call in this society as a full-time minister of the gospel. Uh, I was hired at Shekinah Christian Center to be their youth pastor, and I have worked uh, full-time for churches ever since. Pastoring is it's kind of a unique uh, calling and, and vocation. It's different than, uh, than other jobs. I, I was recently at my 20-year class reunion. Hard to believe, right? I mean, I look this good, and I went to my 20-year class reunion. <laughs> there was one guy there who looked like he did in high school, exactly like he did in high school. His name was Josiah Harvey. Maybe some of you know him. Like, it was ridiculous. The guy hasn't aged a bit. I did drive to, to going to the reunion. You had to drive past the Eagles were gathering at a different covered area in the same facility, 
and uh, they tend to be an older group. And so when I was driving up, I thought, first I thought, that's my reunion right there. But as I got closer, I thought, oh, I'm doing really well. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this isn't, this isn't my group. Anyhow, I was telling someone at the reunion that uh, one of the things, I, you know, just talking about my work as a pastor, I said one of the things I really enjoy is the flexibility that I have where I'm, I'm, you know, my boss is Jesus, but he's like he is to all of you. He's very gracious to me. And so I, I can move things around in my schedule. I, I said, you know, the trick is if you don't mind working all the time, then you can work whenever you want. That's just the reality of it. If you don't mind working all the time, you can work whenever you want. I was looking at some statistics on pastoring, and, and uh, it's reported that 90% of pastors uh, are working between 55 to 75 hours a week. 66% of church members expect a minister and their family to live at a higher moral standard than they live themselves. 94% of clergy families feel the pressures of the pastor's ministry. Uh, you know, my, my wife is always often referred to as a pastor's wife. I never once in my life have been referred to as a nurse's husband. That just, it just doesn't happen. The, the burden is carried differently. One out of every ten ministers will actually retire as a minister in some form. Fifty percent of ministers starting out will not last five years. <laughs> Crush those statistics. Um, here's one that really caught me by surprise. The profession of pastor is near the bottom of every survey of the most respected professions. Usually it lands just above car salesman. This one hit home, and I think it was the Holy Spirit just working on me, because when I'm reaching for like a sermon analogy of a deplorable profession, I, and you could check the record on this, I always go to car salesmen. (laughs) I'm like, you know who the worst people are, car salesmen? Well, one step above, (laughs) or one step below, depending on how you might look at it. So... Working as a pastor, there are long, long hours. There's demanding relational, uh, uh, relational um, obligations and responsibilities. Uh, there's a great degree of freedom to flex my time around uh, parenting or social uh, opportunities or obligations. Um, but all of this tends to lead towards uh, pastors being burned out, people not surviving in ministry. And if they're not burned out, maybe they're just sort of smoldering uh, ineffectively uh, and unable to keep their leadership sharp and uh, fresh. And so one way that the pastorate uh, has sort of coped with these demands and and tried to invest in the longevity of their ministry is by taking uh, what is called a sabbatical period. Um, A sabbatical. What's that? Glad you asked. So the word is, is, of course, related to the word Sabbath, which maybe with a little bit of Bible knowledge we know means rest. And, um, and then the principle is kind of tied to this idea. Many of you are familiar that one day out of seven, you're supposed to take a break, you know, rest on the Sabbath, don't do any work. Uh, included in the law as well is the fact that every seven years, God commanded for a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath year. Um, every seven years, uh, the Israelites were an agrarian society, and every seven years they uh, were supposed to not plant, not harvest, and let the land take a rest, which when you are living by what you plant in the ground, uh, this could seem like a big risk, but God promised them that in the sixth year, he would, 
bless their harvest so much they'd be able to take a seventh year and live off of it. Uh, I think he said until like the eighth or ninth year, actually, but uh, enough to get through one year for sure. Anyhow, uh, this was also a year where they would forgive all debts and where the land could rest and where uh, people could kind of have a fresh beginning. Jewish communities still practice this, uh, this today. In fact, uh, they call it the Shemitah. I'm sure I said that just right. And actually, it starts on September 7th. So it starts, you know, uh, in about a week and a half is the, the seventh year, the sabbatical year in the Jewish calendar. So kind of knowing this, I, I'd always told myself that if I ever made it seven years as a pastor, I would, I would take a sabbatical. And um, if you're doing the math, 2007 was more than seven years ago. Uh, part of that had to do with moving from congregation to congregation and feeling like, well, maybe I need to have seven years at uh, one congregation. Uh, so in uh, May of 2013, we started Renewal, which is also more than seven years ago. Um, but I'd always had it in my heart that when I reached seven years at Renewal, I would plan to take a sabbatical. And, and it's just difficult for me to stop, and circumstances have been rather tumultuous the last year and a half, as many of you know. And so it just never quite seemed right. But over the last year of, uh, you know, of just keeping my head down and pushing through and we keep going and driving forward, I've, I've felt the Lord tugging at, at my own heart and mind um, and encouraging me and kind of bringing this up. Like, it's been seven years. When are you going to rest? When are you going to take a sabbatical? When are you going to start uh, something different? With that has been uh, just kind of a, a gentle and gracious urging on my spirit that the way that I'm currently leading is, is no longer healthy and that it's not sustainable long term. Along with that, the way that I'm currently leading is no longer a good match for renewal in the stage of life that renewal is in as a church. My, my leadership style is a style of a doer. Uh, I like to just jump in and, uh, to put it flatteringly, I would say I lead by example. Another way of saying it might be that I just start running and I say, keep up, and then away I go. Um, now, a headstrong doer is probably a great leadership style. It's a great model for a church plant. Uh, there's so much that needs to be done. Uh, that sort of that jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none is, is a wonderful fit for someone who can jump in there, build some momentum, and, and start getting things done. But one of the things that the Lord's spoken to me over the last uh, year and a half is that at Renewal, we're no longer a church plant. I mean, we're, you know, eight and a half years old for crying out loud. You know, someone give us a driver's license already. And because we're in a, a different life stage, this idea, the doer in me, isn't always a good match for some people's discipleship. It's not always a good match for our church being all that I believe God is calling us to be. Uh, more than that, I believe God's saying the doer in me is not sufficient to lead renewal into her future. Not as a church plant, but as an established and sustained congregation that is disciple-making and community-impacting uh, in everything that it does. Along with that, you know, this is hard for me to admit, but I, I think the doer in me is, you know, uh, it's exhausted myself and it's exhausted my family a little bit. All that to say, I feel like God's saying it's time to rethink. It's time for me to step away and reimagine myself as a leader in God's kingdom. 
you know, in light of God's grace and in light of, of his empowerment, like, what does it look like for me to step back and say, okay, if the way I'm leading is not the best way to lead, what does it look like for me to say, can I change? Can, by the grace of God, I make some adjustments and, and be a leader who runs at a more sustainable pace and, and a more accommodating pace for people who are, for, you know, for getting other people into the race. So I'm planning to take a sabbatical. One, to reimagine myself. Uh, to give, you know, the potter time to shape this lump of clay again. I'm going to take some time to reimagine some of our leadership structures at Renewal as well. How we, how we set up leaders, how we staff different things, um, thinking about strategies. You know, the last time that I personally took real time to, to pray and to really think and, and write kind of from a blank sheet, as it were, write out how this is all going to work, build these structures uh, and we did it somewhat with a group of people, but I was largely the, the primary organizer. The last time I did that was eight and a half years ago. A lot has changed in eight and a half years. Uh, and so it just seems like this is a good time to revisit some of those brilliant ideas I had almost a decade ago, right? Um, so from September 15th to November 15th of this year, I'm going to step away from my day-to-day operations of the church and I'm going to be focusing on these topics that I've discussed above, as well as seeking, you know, refreshment and renewal in my own spiritual life and in my uh, life and relationships with my family and with my wife and my kids, um, who have, you know, been along running this grueling race for the last eight and a half years themselves. So I'm, I'm deeply grateful to the Renewal Leadership Team. We've been talking about this for a little bit of time, as you can imagine. Uh, this isn't a big surprise announcement for them. And I know some of you others are probably in the leap, loop as well. But um, our leadership team, our staff, our elders, and our deacons, um, I, I'm grateful because they've been very permission-giving to me to pursue this season. And I'm really looking forward to what God is going to do. This is my part of the announcement. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn it over to a pair of our elders, Les and Betty, and they're going to come up and share with you a little bit more about the goings-on. You kids that are filling out your worksheets, there's no fill in the blanks now, but you probably noticed there's blank faces in that mariachi band. And so uh, Les and Betty, you go ahead and feel free to doodle in their faces on that. Thanks. <laughs> Don't get us mixed up. I'm Betty. So, okay, got that? All right. Good morning. Uh, just uh, if people have been, if you've been in the church for a while, you've heard the term elders. Don't know, we don't talk a lot about it. Uh, we kind of work in the background. But uh, historically, a good place to look in the word would be First Peter. There's a couple paragraphs in there about elders and the responsibilities. But Basically, elders provide a relational and spiritual oversight to the flock, okay? Um, we're entrusted with the responsibility of who we are at Renewal. Renewal operates on a couple's model. There's different models for eldership, different churches. But we operate on a couple's model here. And so the couples that are currently serving as elders within the church, Ryan and Amber Motes, there they are. Uh, Corey and Jamie Robinson, there's Jamie, and Mike and Susie Murray, 
would be upstairs with the kids, Betty and I, and then, of course, James. Um, James, yeah, <laughs> over there. So as elders, um, we believe that this season isn't just about James taking a sabbatical and James finding some time of rest and renewal. A couple of weeks ago when he was teaching, I felt like the Spirit said, this isn't about James only. This is about the body at renewal and what I want to do here because it's going to take what God is doing in James as well as what God is doing here. Um, so we're realizing as we're talking among the leadership just how much James does. Um, we had a leadership meeting and there were two full pages of kind of fill in the blanks for <laughs> when James is gone. And I think we all kind of went, wow. So that doer, he's, he's right on. Um, so our question is, what can we do as leaders in the body of Christ to help carry the load and to take some of the ownership and the tasks of ministry on on an ongoing basis? Not just as leaders, but how can we as the body of Christ, the body of renewal, help carry some of those burdens and um, take ownership of the, the ministry of the church? So as renewal continues to grow and become who God has ordained us to be, it's going to take a village, not just one person, to realize that vision. So in thinking about it, we look at Romans 12, okay? Paul talks about the church as a body with many parts, which that's what we are at renewal, each having their own gift and function, Okay. He encourages us to use our unique gifts for the edification of the body and to, for the glory of God, obviously. Uh, many people at Renewal are doing this already, uh, using their gifts and talents, skills and abilities for the building up of the body at Renewal, um, for loving, serving, and encouraging those in the community, and then also outside also, people you know, who you are shines farther than just within this building. Your coworkers see it. The people you hang around, they see it. It's just who you are, and that shines through. And that's good, but as they say, good can be the enemy of the great. So what if for renewal to be, quote, great, or better said, to be a light shining, a beacon in our community, what if we became a community of believers that serves together? There are pockets in our body that are doing that really, really well. But as the whole, we've got some work to do. What if we as the body of renewal collectively own the ministry of the church? And as leadership, we're asking ourselves, what does that even mean? What does that look like? That, we believe, is what this season is going to be about. It's about learning and growing together. The result, we hope, will be increased relationship, connectedness, spiritual vitality uh, in the body. It's something that is collective as well as individual. People are still going out, and they're being Jesus in their communities, in their workplace. Uh, they're serving. But they also would have a community behind them uh, the, here at Renewal, encouraging them, supporting them, maybe even rolling up their sleeves and working alongside of them. That's what doing life together here and out in the community looks like. That's what we're growing into. A vibrant body of believers acts like, um, that's what we act like as a body of believers. And it might be who shaping, God is shaping us to be. So 
off notes, I was talking to Amber Motes a little bit this morning, and I was just really, really encouraged um, as she reminded me that at our meeting last Sunday night where we had um, all the leadership, including some of the worship team, uh, to come together to go over those two pages of fill in the blanks on what James does and who's going to do this now. In that meeting, there was laughter, there was encouragement, there was joy, there was hope. And there was never a point in that meeting that something got brought up, a task that got brought up, that it was complete silence in the room, like, I don't want to do that. Never was there a point. With every task, whether it was um, a tech thing, somebody said, oh, that's my gift, I can do that. Whether it was a teaching thing, we had lots of people that said, sure, I'll take two or three Sundays. Um, it could have been a relational thing. And people said, I'll do that. Who's going to make popcorn? Somebody said, I'd love to do that. <laughs> I mean, just everything. There were people using their skills and abilities to fill in every one of those blanks. And that's what I'm excited about renewal becoming. So I think Heath is going to come up and talk about deacons. Thanks, Betty and Les. Yeah, my name's Heath Annette, if you don't know me. Um, I'm one of the deacons at Renewal. Um, so we have kind of a two-pronged leadership model at Renewal where we have the elders. And they kind of oversee the spiritual needs, social-emotional needs, more mentoring that side of the church. And the deacons, um, we're more of the brass tacks. Um, technically, we're the board. Um, if we have a church, that's what we have to call ourselves because... We're a 501c3 nonprofit, and we have to have a board of leadership. And so we're the legal responsibilities. There's uh, three other board members. James, of course, is the board president. Um, but then Brady Backstrom is also on the board, and so is Tyler Salvig, and I haven't seen him today yet. Um, so, yeah, Tyler just jumped on um, this a couple months ago, I think, now. And so, yeah, we're kind of the, uh, I guess, the rudder that steers the uh, corporation of renewal, if that makes sense. I know it sounds really weird to think of a church as a corporation, but uh, we're, we're the ones that monitor the budget pretty closely. Uh, uh, and when it comes to casting uh, long-term vision with programs and development and things like that, that's kind of our, that's kind of our wheelhouse. Um, so, you know, when James is gone, some of the legal responsibilities and liabilities, it'll fall more to um, church staff um, and the board. Um, so if you have any questions uh, going, you know, when James is gone, uh, you know, Betty and Les did a great job talking about, like, everybody helping and that kind of stuff. But, you know, now I'm talking about brass tacks. You can kind of see the difference between elders and, and deacons here, right? And so if, if things come up when James is gone that you have questions for, you can always grab a board member. Um, or, you know, one of the best points of reference is probably going to be Betty or McKinsey are two kind of senior staff members. Um, um, Susie's also a staff member as well. Um, so they're going to be in the loop of everything that's going on. Um, you know, maybe all the elders don't always know what's going on, but most of the time uh, the board knows what's going on because we have to. And if we don't, we can get an immediate line to who knows what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for uh, James because he puts in way more work than any of us ever see. Um, and, you know, I've been here with James from the beginning and um, have gotten to see eight and a half years of um, wear and tear. And I'm really hoping he has some time to, like, 
I don't know if there's any wounds to have those healed and um, just a time of refreshing with his family. He's got quite the calendar of things to do the next uh, couple months and I'm really excited and, and kind of as Betty and Les were talking about, uh, we've been having this vision at Renewal um, kind of spoken about in the shadows the last few years of what does Renewal look like if more people step up and lead and more people um, take responsibility for certain ministries and areas of the church and we've seen like glimpses of that through the last couple of years and COVID didn't help um, with anything as obvious but um, going forward it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to and, and I'm excited to see what God has to offer when it comes to our leadership models at Renewal like maybe there'll be more people in charge of things and we'll do more things together and maybe uh, you know there'll just be a lot more uh, I guess effort um, that all of us are putting in to make this this ship sail. So I'm going to check my notes here, make sure I'm not missing anything that I was supposed to talk about. Um, but yeah, uh, if you have any questions, like I said, uh, you can always best point of reference is Betty and McKinsey, and they can um, defer you from there. But you can always come to a board member, and like I said, they can normally figure out what's going on. So. I don't think I have any more else to say other than, like, this is going to be awesome for James, and I'm super excited for him. Thanks, Heath. So that's the plan, as it is right now, September 15th to November 15th. You know, as we talk about um, things like more shared leadership or taking more responsibility, um, I do want to acknowledge... Uh, the fact that, uh, especially for those of you who are maybe a, a little newer to the church or haven't been around long, you might be sort of wondering at times, like, well, how does somebody uh, get involved? And a common analogy that we'll use when we talk about uh, getting involved at church, uh, we'll use the analogy of freeway on-ramps or off-ramps, you know, and so what does it look like to get on an, on an on-ramp? And something you should understand about renewal is that uh, well, if you don't use the on-ramp to get on the freeway, what do you have to do? You have to, like, traipse around through some weeds and then climb over a barbed wire fence. That's how the deer do it. Um, and so <laughs> renewal's a little bit like a freeway with no on-ramps right now. So this is part of the restructuring side, right? Um, I said the good thing about that is people who are carrying things at renewal uh, are really, really wonderful people, like incredible people, because they're the kind of people who can find their way onto the freeway without an on-ramp. You know, they climbed through the weeds, jumped over the, jumped over the fence, and made it. Um, but I know, I just want to acknowledge that that has been a difficulty, and I think it's a great example of uh, just one of the things that we are trying to grow and uh, one, of the, like one of the obvious ways that we could be better. And so um, I just want to encourage you through this time, uh, as Betty had said, it's not just about me reinventing myself as a leader. It's about us reinventing ourselves as a congregation. And I, I really believe that God is going to, um, the Holy Spirit is going to be using this season to speak to different ones of you, laying different maybe ministries or, or burdens for kingdom work in our community on your hearts. And, um, and so I trust it'll be a growing experience for all of us. And I just want to encourage you where God brings those things up, um, at this point, don't be discouraged by the lack of on-ramps or outlets to feel like you can, you know, where, where do I take this? Where do I go? Well, go to one of the elders. Go to one of the deacons. 
go to one of, even one of the worship team members. They, I mean, and just say, this is what I'm thinking. How can I, how can I um, get involved? How can I serve? How can I live out this passion that the Holy Spirit's stirring up inside my heart for the work of the kingdom? So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a season where we're all growing together. So I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to turn our attention to the Lord's table. Um, and uh, when Paul's writing about communion in, in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, the big problem with the Corinthian church was that there was division there. Uh, he begins the letter talking about his concerns about the division, and, and throughout the letter it's a theme. Um, and I, I, one of the things that he argues about uh, these against these divisions, that you guys shouldn't be divided, he uses the point that isn't it just one body that's been broken for us? Like the cup, it's just one body, the, the cup is one, uh, one sacrifice, and that these things are meant to be uh, um, examples to us, that there's no room for division in the body of Christ. And so um, oftentimes I think when we think about that idea of division, we think in terms of congregations, like congregations should be unified within themselves, uh, we should be at a church that's uh, pretty homogenized in how we think or, or view different aspects of theology. Um, today, I just want to think about it in terms of this sacrifice that Jesus made connects us with the whole body of Christ everywhere in the globe. And so uh, there, are, there are portions of the body of Christ that are really hurting right now. I know last week we talked about prosecution and, or persecution and the... Um, you know, the the uh, the violence that our brothers and sisters are suffering and the threat of violence that's coming with the increased uh, authority of the Taliban in Afghanistan. And uh, can we be joined to them as we would receive the body and the blood today? Can we be joined to our brothers and sisters over there who are suffering? Uh, you know, they uh, the uh, news outlets just recently released the identities of the 13 uh, servicemen, servicemen and women who... Uh, died in that bomb blast at the airport, and I was like looking at their faces and crying this morning because it's just, I just get so sad, right? Um, people who were closing uh, in the in the closing moments of their service over there, and they lost their lives. Um, if they could have just made it a couple more weeks, they they get to come home. And and how many uh, how many families are there who are grieving? lost ones in our society around us. And so as we would receive the bread and the cup, can we be joined to those? I talked last week about uh, my friend Mark Kassmeyer, who was a pastor of New Song that passed away from COVID a, uh, a week ago last Monday. And then his, his mother actually passed away on Monday uh, from the same disease. And his dad is actually in the hospital uh, still right now. And we're all praying for his recovery. But um, can we be joined to these people who are grieving? Can we set aside our, our own uh, whatever it might be and just be one with our brothers and sisters who are, uh, you know, grieving loss right now? Um, so, Lord, we know that you look at the world and we know this is not how you made it to be. We know that your own heart weeps over the state of our world right now because uh, humanity is not living the mandate that you gave us to live out. We confess that we are divided, uh, that we are violently opposed to one another at times. And uh, Lord, we confess that you are the only one who can bring us together. 
And so we just turn to you in humility. Uh, We turn to your table that you have set before us with your very body and your very blood. And we say, this is the sacrifice that your word says will bring all of humanity into unity under Jesus Christ. We approach your table. We somehow, Lord, today, we just, we want to say in our minds, we want to believe that it is enough. It's enough to heal our wayward hearts. It's enough to restore unity all around the globe. And even in our own families, in our own communities, it's enough to restore unity there too. We thank you for your sacrifice today. And as we worship you and as we receive the bread and the cup into ourselves, we just ask that you would make us one. That the world would know that we are your children, that we are your followers, and they would know that you have conquered all. In Jesus' name, amen.